Welcome to Dynasty Kings. I am Luke. That is Kyle. Uh, what up? We're gonna hit. We're gonna hit you with all the facts you need to know when it comes to Dynasty fantasy football. Definitely not enough people talking about it. So I think let's start it off with the biggest bust from last year. We're talking about guys who should have exploded, should have had amazing seasons, and in dynasty value have completely dis- diminished what that next step should have been. So yeah, for these me, are these are guys. If I could just jump in real quick, these are guys. I mean, you probably saw them go in the first round in most of your drafts, and we just want to make that clear. Like this is not a guy that you were high on. This is this is a guy that everybody was high on. Take it away, Luke. Yeah, let me start this off. i got to start this off with David Johnson. You know, after David Johnson's sophomore year, he was supposed to be, you know, he was supposed to be on the level of Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. This guy had some injury problems, but they weren't – but they were supposed to be behind him. Coming into this year in drafts, you'd see him go as – late as the second round, but I'd see him be taken in the mid-first in some drafts. Uh, He should have been incredible. You know, he has the hands, he's got the route running, and then he can, he had the patience that you'd see of Le'Veon Bell behind the line, and he had the explosiveness you'd see from guys like Ezekiel Elliott. Halfway through the season, he just started looking like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Whether it was questions on if he could stay healthy, or if he had the same dynamic speed that he had coming into the league. It was all gone. And now he's, you know, he's 28, not even on the Cardinals anymore. I think dynasty value, this guy doesn't even hold top 10 value in my opinion. I think you can find, I think you can find way better running backs than him in the, in the first round, second round. I don't think. They're ninth like Ronald Jones, well above him. Well, you know, and that's a that's a good thing to add as well. As you look at a guy like Ronald Jones, Ronald Jones is 22-23. You know, this guy has another five to six years of good football ahead of him. David Johnson in two years is going to be on the wrong side of 30. He's now in a new – he's in a new offense. He's got to learn it all over again. And he just – he went from one really shitty offensive line to probably the worst offensive line in football. Yep, and he's got Bill O'Brien with him. So, you know, that doesn't make anything good. <laughs> You know, it just it sucks because you hate to see guys who look so promising and because of injuries just completely fall apart. You know what? Him and there's a correlation here, and I said it earlier to somebody, you know, him, Jordan Reed, Brandon Cooks, I feel a lot of similarities between the three of them. Great players, had all the potential in the world, but, I mean, again, they just, actually, ironically, the Texans just traded for Brandon Cooks, another injury-riddled, overpaid guy who – probably won't even live up to what he used to be and what he could have been. You know, it, it, it is what it is. This is – it's a rough league, to say the least. I couldn't agree more with your first choice as far as David Johnson goes. I saw him go as early as 1.3 last year uh, up to, again, like, you know, mid-twos. Either way, people were definitely hyping him, and I uh, I took advantage and sold him in a few leagues, to say the least. All right. Now, who do you have as your biggest bust from 2019? I think uh, I think mine might be obvious to some people, but you know I think I think we'd be foolish if we don't talk about him. Odell Beckham Jr. I have to I have to say that he's the biggest bust of uh, of 2019. I mean, this guy has all the talent in the world. Gets traded to Cleveland, and all I heard about all last offseason was Cleveland this, Cleveland that. They're gonna win the Super Bowl, dude. I think they had like some of the best odds to win the Super Bowl last summer, and they didn't do shit. 
I mean, they were horrible. Baker took serious steps back. He took a bit of a, a gut check because honestly, he, he needed an ego check. And Beckham didn't show up when moments mattered. And Freddie Kitchens didn't utilize him right at all. And now, you know, he's 27. I think he's about to turn 28. So, you know, there's still time for him. And wide receivers, that's like prime for them anyways. But if we're going off 2019 alone, I would definitely say him. And I'm, now I'm seeing him go in startups this year as late as fourth or fifth round, which in my opinion, could you, could you believe that last year, Luke? Like, think about that. Like OBJ going fourth or fifth round. You know, it's, 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 it's insane to think that a guy's stock could fall so hard. But I, even with David Johnson and speaking about Odell Beckham Jr., these guys are getting on the like wrong side of yes. age for football. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, and I don't think anybody talked about this going in, is, is Baker had established a very good connection with Jarvis Landry. And I don't mm-hmm. think people put how serious that connection was into perspective until Odell got there. Now, I don't think Landry would have had the season he had if it wasn't for the fact Odell was on the other side of him. Mm-hmm. However, I will say this. I think going into next season, I would – probably put equal value to Odell as I would to Jarvis Landry. They're the same age. You know, they're both polished route runners. Obviously, I think Odell might have a little bit better hands. I think he's a better red zone target. And I think he can, I think with the right offense, he can be super explosive. But whatever the fuck Freddie Kitchens, Kitchens was running, completely demolished his upside. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, to be said, I mean, you're talking about Jarvis Lindsay. That's a guy who got a lot of slack and a lot of hate last offseason. I, I actually picked him up in a few leagues, and people thought I was, you know, really stupid to do so. And uh, he had one of his best seasons in his career, like hands down. When he was on the field, uh, he was sensational. Like I really couldn't even put in words how much better he was than I think a lot of people thought he was going to be. Oh, 100%. And, you know, I'm going to stick with the running backs with me. And I got to say, you know, people would expect me to say, yo, Todd Gurley, James Conner. No, I think my biggest dynasty bust out of all of them has to be for running backs, Damian Williams. Mm. You know, at the end of at the end of the 2018 season, people saw Damian Williams and the small amount of play he had. And he was 26 at the time. And people were like, you know, this kid's got it. He's going to run the ball. He's going to be what Kareem Hunt was. He had he had the potential. And the right offense, you know, and yeah. a lot of people, a lot of people would would hit Kareem Hunt with the oh he's a product of the system, and I think if anything, this proves that Kareem Hunt, even though he's a fucking idiot, just happened to be a, a better a better guy in a better situation for the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, yeah. I mean, Williams, he wasn't you know, a product he, of the system. I mean, to, to yeah. your point, yeah, and you know what's bad when you bring in a uh, a. Uh, uh, over the age Cliff LaShawn McCoy into the mix. Yeah. You know, and he's not he's not a bad running back. The guy's a future Hall of Famer, in my opinion, but he's not the running back he was even two seasons ago. And so th- that just shows the lack of confidence that they have in Damian Williams. And I would not shock me if come the draft, you see the Chiefs pick a running back in the second or third day. No, I think they're taking one day one. Uh, that's my honest opinion. I think we would take one of the big names off the board. I could definitely see a guy like uh, Cam Akers falling to them easily, and I'm snagging him, and he'd be a perfect fit for that offense. I mean, the Chiefs are such a powerful unit. They need a running back that matches the rest 
of that team. Speed, hands, talent. I mean, Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league by such a large margin. I um, mean, I don't think it's really even fair. Um, I mean, as far as going, you know, with the bus idea, you know, we have three so far, but um, I want to highlight actually two tight ends who I thought, you know, one of them has slowly been busting. Uh, and then the other one was a big bust last year. And uh, the slow one is OJ Howard. You know, I heard a lot of amazing things, you know, coming out of college and everybody told me this guy was going to be the next big thing. And, you know, I know the system doesn't fit him well. Bruce Arians doesn't really use tight ends. I get all that, but at the same notion, you know, he hasn't done anything at all. And who knows, Brady may be able to revitalize him. I don't know. And the other one I want to talk about is David Njoku. Again, that same draft class. I don't know what happened with that draft class, but two of the most talented tight end rookies from that draft class who were supposed to be superstars for a long time both look like huge busts in my opinion. Would you not agree, Luke? You know, I would say this. I would say that O.J. Howard definitely has bust written all over him. I think that people are being too hard on David Njoku. You got to give the guy the benefit of the doubt here. He wasn't healthy for a lot of the seasons, and that's new for him throughout uh, the NFL and throughout college. So he wasn't healthy for most of the season. And then him and Freddie Kitchens, from reports, just did not have a good rapport. And when he came back healthy, Freddie Kitchens wanted nothing to do with him and pushed him down. And I honestly think give David Njoku the right role, and he could be an explosive tight end like any other. He's got he's got the speed. He definitely has the speed over most tight ends that come into this league. And I thought that his downfield receiving ability was up to par to some of the guys up there. Now, granted, he'll never be a run blocker. You can never rely on him to be a good run blocker, but he had the potential to really be a good receiver. And I think Freddie Kitchen's ego got in the way of his ability to grow as a player. Yeah, I mean – that's definitely all good points, you know. I Again, with this list, you know, all these guys we've highlighted here, um, we obviously hope the best for them. Anybody I say on here, I want them to prove me wrong. Like, if David Johnson just came out and dropped, like, a 2,000-yard season, I would – I'd be ecstatic for the guy. You know what I mean? Like, but, like, as far as 2019 goes, those are the guys that I was disappointed with. I mean, I could, I could rattle off uh, too many to count. I don't know if you want to go with one more each, and we'll kind of wrap up this section. Yeah, 100%. I would say um, for me, my last big bust, and, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that I got to throw his name out of here because I was so high out of him coming out of college is Dante Pettis. I mean, that guy big was time. a high, high draft pick, you know, coming out of college. Everybody was talking about his route running yep. and his ability to be a big playmaker. And, you know, granted, in rookie seasons, you're not always going to have the guys who come out and just go boom and accelerate right off the bat. However, coming into his sophomore year, you know, it was definitely his his time to shine. And he got beat out by Kendrick Bourne. And then he got beat out by Emmanuel Sanders. And he got mm-hmm. pushed right down to the bottom. And now that even Emmanuel Sanders is gone, I think Kendrick Bourne has taken that wide receiver two ranking out of his hands. And I don't think he'll ever be – I'm sorry. I just don't think he'll ever be trusted again. No. And, yeah. uh, you, it sucks because dynasty value for him. The guy was 24. Uh, he's He fit the profile of the wide receiver. You know, he was big, lanky, could, had good hands coming out of college. And unfortunately, you know, he just couldn't, couldn't take that next step. Yeah. I mean, it's – you kind of – 
you hate to see it, but I think I read somewhere that when you really look at it, if you look at like early draft picks, as far as like the wide receiver position goes, I'm pretty sure it's like the highest bus ratio is from that position because it's such a hard time for these guys to make that transition. I mean, you got guys who are used to putting up a hundred yards every game, just like it was nothing. And then you get to a level where you've never played against cornerbacks like that before. You've never played against defenses like that before. And the offense takes such a step that if you don't have the mental capacity to learn it and really get behind it, you're going to fall behind. And that's it. You know what I mean? Like if you don't understand, and I, I mean, I don't know Kyle Shanahan's offense in and out, but I got to think that dude's got a crazy offense. You know what I mean? Like that guy is an offensive guru. I have to imagine that his playbook is something to, you know, something hard to grasp. You know what I mean? Well, I would hope so. The guy probably yeah, right? steals all of his <laughs> plays from his dad's playbook. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this about Dante Pettis. You know, the fucker has colorful hair. But unfortunately, <laughs> man, yo, you, you, your team goes to the Super Bowl and your whole contribution throughout the regular season is 11 catches. For 109 yards. Oh, Jesus. That was it? Oh, my God. He went He went from averaging in 2018. For, per reception, he averaged uh, 17.3 yards. This season, 9.9. Yeah, that's, that's horrible. There's no other way to slice that. Jesus, man. It's, it's unfortunate, you know? Like, you see guys like Dante Pettis and, you know, the guys just – you know what I think it is? And I think it came down to it that Dante Pettis just did not have the work drive to compete with guys like Debo Samuel, who came into the league and just competed right off the bat. And you know what? I would not be surprised if you see the 49ers trade up in the draft and grab a guy like Jerry Judy or even wait and grab a guy like like Ruggs late in the draft. Oh, yeah. I could definitely see it for sure. We'll, uh, we'll wrap up this segment with this last bus that I'm going to talk about, and we're going to switch positions. We haven't tackled the quarterback position yet, and I'm just going to highlight uh, somebody who I don't know if it was the product of the system he was in, but you know I kind of feel bad for the guy. I know Luke's a big supporter of him, but uh, Marcus Mariota, man, we have to talk about him. Uh, yeah, I, he was I, my guy. Yeah, I know you were high on him. A lot of people were out of Oregon, and I just, you know, it's – it's crazy to see what happened with him. You know, he went out, they pulled in Tannehill, and that offense took flight, and the team took flight. And when you saw the difference and you saw the difference in the team's mentality when Tannehill got in, you knew that Mariota was not touching that field again. I think you knew instantly the second it happened. And, you know, now he goes to a Las Vegas Raiders team that – I'm quite frankly, don't know what to make of. They're kind of all over the map. They were almost a playoff team last year. Somehow Uh, they got Josh Jacobs, who's a superstar. Uh, Derek Carr can be good. Uh, You know, he's a little over the place, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they have an open quarterback competition over there. Again, Mariota, I, you know, he was a bust this year, but I think in the right system. And I know you've said in the past, Luke, I, I don't see how this kid couldn't succeed. Yeah, you know, and it sucks. Granted to him, when he played at Tennessee, they flipped offensive coordinators and coaches all the time on him. So he never really got the opportunity to settle into one offense. Uh, And it it sucks to see it. 
But I think going into Oakland, or no, not Oakland anymore, Las Vegas or whatever. It's it's weird to think that, but yeah, that's what it is now. You know, I think stupid decision to move the team, whatever. I'll continue. Um, (laughs) Mike, coming out of Oregon, Mike Mayock loved, loved. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, yep, he saw the opportunity. The writing was on the wall to bring in Mariota for cheap. And you know what? Three years ago, I would have told you that Derek Carr was a future MVP in the league, and there was nothing stopping him. Now I look at Derek Carr, and I see a poor man's Carson Wentz. And it's it's unfortunate that I have to compare him to a poor man's Carson Wentz because the guy has a cannon for an arm. Just unfortunately, it's his decision-making is not there, and he just can't put two and two together for some reason. Yeah, I mean, it also doesn't help when uh, your new – coach slash GM or whatever you want to call him, uh, trades away your best offensive player. <laughs> oh, that is definitely true. You know, it, it sucks. We could be talking about this in a completely different matter. You know, Mariota still might have bust, but you might not have ended up on Vegas if it wasn't for Antonio Brown being the biggest bitch in, uh, being the biggest bitch in football. <laughs> it's true, man. I mean, uh, Antonio Brown, that's a whole nother can of worms I don't even want to begin to open. <laughs> it's, it's. I mean, like, look, I could say Antonio Brown was my biggest bust on the season, but the problem is, is in the one game he played, he looked really good playing for the Patriots. Dude, I'll say it. I'll say it again. Think what you want about AB, top five greatest of all time. And in my opinion, best route runner I've ever seen. I don't know about that. I, I, I would still have to say the best route runner that's ever come into the game, uh, in my opinion, is Megatron. Uh, you know, the guy had speed, but it was his body and his ability to control his it, the ability to control such a big body, especially in tight corners. He did really good with it. I think AB had the potential to be a Hall of Famer, and I think in one year completely diminished any value he gave to any team or himself. We'll see what happens. I think he still makes the Hall of Fame, and I think he still comes back, but maybe that's just me holding on to hope and stuff like that because I keep snagging him in drafts. <laughs> it could, it could be, you know what, man, like it could be that he gets into the, he comes back in the league and blows up. But here's my opinion on AB is you look at a guy like Terrell Owens and Terrell Owens is a top, in my opinion, a top five wide receiver to ever play the game. One of the but most his on wide receivers ever. Yeah. So, you know, the problem is, is you see a guy like AB who's – I don't think he's as good as Trello. And in one year has done the same amount of damage it took Terrell Owens a full career to do. <laughs> That's true. I guess I haven't thought about it like that. <laughs> I mean, like, man, like, you know, I think the pinnacle of it, I think the, 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 the moment I knew right away that this was getting bad was when A.B., dyed his fucking mustache blonde and <laughs> everything else is natural hair color. What a fucking tool. What's what an mean? absolute like, what fucking you tool. Doing, baby? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, you know what? He's a, he's a head case and a half. And, uh, you know, I'd love to see him come back in just because I know, I know he still has it for sure. I know you've seen the pictures with uh, Lamar Jackson working out with him and stuff. I think that's not happening. Uh, but, you know, you never know. I could see a handful of teams taking a swing at him who are desperate as hell. Um, you never know, honestly. And, you know, there's a lot of scumbag owners out there. I'm looking at you, Jerry Jones. I could definitely see him bringing him in. 
<laughs> you know, it 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 sucks so hard too because um he was he was on pace to you know have a to have ten thousand yards and a hundred touchdowns oh, in yeah. his career. And I think this completely derails any improvement. And I think his only his only grace back into the NFL, in my opinion, was getting in with Tampa because he uh, developed a good rapport with Brady. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, he just ruined it. And Bruce Arians was like, yeah, well, you know, he's not a good fit for this team. We're not going to bring him in. And you probably could get him on the veterans minimum at this point. And I, he's just got, you know, you know, cancer written all over yep. his face. He just wants to play at this point. I hear he has a new agent who's going to clean up his image, all this other shit. Again, we'll see what happens. I I know we kind of uh, got a little sidetracked there, but AB seems to take over every one of these conversations because he, 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 he always does. Uh, yeah, I mean, AB a- is the crazy ex girlfriend, man. That crazy ex girlfriend mm-hmm. in first year college you're always trying to get away from, yep. and always somehow ends up in your DMs apologizing for something <laughs> that you didn't even realize they did. Oh yeah. man, yeah. So I think that'll put it uh, a little wrap on our bus section, and we'll move on from there. Uh, wrap us up, Luke. All right. Yeah. So uh, it, it sucks to see these guys bust, especially a lot of these guys had huge potential coming through, or they looked like they could be incredible in dynasty format. Uh, you hate to see it, but at the same time, you also love to see it. You love to see sometimes just guys who you fucking hate or on your or on your rival team just mm-hmm. you know suck and uh unfortunately you know i wish the best for the guys going forward but uh it's gonna be a no from me dog yep i mean i got two firsts for david johnson in one league last year i am definitely sitting pretty right now <laughs> all right so let's get into our next topic and for me something I really love talking about is guys who are going to take the next step in their career. You know, mm-hmm. these are the, these are the guys who they could have had great seasons last year. They could have had mediocre seasons, but there's no reason why they shouldn't succeed, whether it's in the offense that they're in or it's their, their potential or injuries that derailed them. I think these guys are going to exceed and blow up out of nowhere. And so for me, I'll get it started with, for me, I'm saying this could be easy one, Miles Sanders. I think Miles Sanders, looking at him coming out of college, you know, the guy backed up Saquon Barkley for all those years, comes into the system himself, blows up the system, looks incredible doing it, gets drafted, and you know what? Completely made a guy like Jordan Howard look irrelevant in the offense. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, I'm super high on the guy. I think that there's no reason he won't be a thousand yard rusher for the next few seasons. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I th- my only knock on him is his limited uh, catching ability in the backfield. Mm. I, I think in today's uh, PPR setup, the best you the best running backs come from systems in pass heavy, uh, pass heavy quarterbacks. Eric Henry. <laughs> or your or your Derrick Henry and you stiff arm guys to fucking King of the Cup. Yeah, but he's a one in a million. I think that's a great uh first player to lead off with. I'm a big Sanders guy and uh shit man, I bought him in so many leagues at this point. I can't even keep track of it. I am definitely a truther when it comes to him. I think he fits that system very well. I think it's was a tough year for the Eagles, man. They need a wide receiver so bad. I mean, Carson Wentz 
is one of the premier quarterbacks in the league who just doesn't have this doesn't have the you know surrounding infrastructure in order to succeed and you have uh peterson there too who's one of the best coaches in the league so i think the eagles are a big uh bounce back candidate in general and i think that you know you talked about the catching side of things i think that a guy like boston scott is going to have a very active role in that offense and he's going to handle a lot of that stuff that sanders might not so you might be a little thorn in your you know side during the regular season uh but overall sanders is obviously still the guy to own yeah i think honestly looking at it sanders is going to be your workhorse running back for the next few years uh sanders went from last year from a mid draft a mid startup draft selection to this year being a top three rounder in my opinion yeah what i take in our startup that we're doing right now i think i took him in the third round yeah, so you know what I think I would rank Miles Sanders ahead of guys like Todd Gurley and James Connors, like seasoned oh, yeah. veterans in the league. Uh, but you know what? I will say this: I did give him a knock on his receiving. He did have 509 yards receiving. However, I just I don't see that being a consistent thing with Miles Sanders. You know, it's a uh, it's unfortunate to see. I just don't think. Especially with Boston Scott, like you said, who's Boston right behind Scott him. proved himself last year. He deserves a role on that team, without a doubt. I will say this: though. it's nice for the Eagles, who ever since they lost Shady McCoy, they have not had that running back presence. In nope, they have not. And I think they did a good thing bringing in Jordan Howard to start the season in mm-hmm. front of Miles Sanders, give Sanders the ability to breathe a bit, get into the groove, figure out what that offense would look like with him in it. And then I think he took off running with it when he got the ability to. And I would not be surprised if come this season, the guy puts up at least 1,100 yards on the on the ground. Oh, yeah. I could definitely see it. Um, I took him – actually, just a little fact check. I took him 3.7 in our startup. So, yeah. Third round. There we go. So who would you say, Kyle, biggest biggest boom coming mm. into next season? You know, I've uh I have a lot of these guys that I really think are gonna go off this season. But I'm gonna go with the running back to, you know, stay with the flow of things. And we talked about him in our first part, and I know Luke knows I'm high on the guy. Ronald Jones is my guy. I'm buying across the board. Period. I think he – how to explain it? I think he had a rocky start to his career, obviously. You know, injuries are never fun, you know, and they're definitely derailing. But I don't think he's injury prone. And I think Arians trust the guy. And I think they're going to back him because, honestly, I think they have other holes that are more important to fill if Tampa really believes they're contending. I 100% agree with that. You know, looking at his stats, he had 724 yards on 172 attempts, averaged 4.2 yards per carry, which isn't terrible for a sophomore season. Definitely improved from the 44 yards he put up in 2018. Well, he was much Uh, down the stretch, too. If you look at his last few games, the numbers are way better. 100%. You know, I think the biggest knock on Ronald Jones – especially in an offense that that Bruce Arians is accustomed to playing is receiving. And the guy only had, you know, a minimal amount. I think it was 30 something receptions for about 300 yards. You know, the problem is, is 
a guy like Bruce Arians is going to rely on your running back to get you out of those situations, to be that check down guy, to get you out of a hole. I don't see that being Ronald Jones, unfortunately. I I would not be surprised if in day two they target a guy like A.J. Dillon to bring into that team, you know, give some competition to it. Uh, but, you know, I, I really do hope for Ronald Jones. For me, though, I uh, – the only he has good dynasty value because of his age. I mean, going into next season, he's going to be 23, a young 23. But for me, the ability not to catch the ball in the backfield really puts damper on him in PPR leagues. Now, when you're talking a standard league, which I think you have to be stupid to run a standard league, <laughs> uh, but if you're talking standard leagues, I think with Ronald Jones, you know. I, he definitely carries more value than in PPR. But going PPR sense, I really think they got to target a better receiving back. I'd even say, like, you know, day one, pick DeAndre Swift, who, in my opinion, is the best running back coming into this draft. And uh, they could probably trade down and get him. get Grab DeAndre Swift and go gangbusters with the kid. Yeah, I mean, I definitely – let me be clear. I see risk with Ronald Jones. I just – I have a feeling he's going to have a good year. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, you, you really can't predict all of this stuff, but I like the kid a lot. I always liked him coming out of college. I think he has a lot of talent. And, you know, I'd love to see him go off. 100%. Yeah. You know, and uh, I think with me sticking with the young guys, in my opinion, I think the biggest boom player, another big boom player we got, we're, we're going to see next year is going to be, Deontay Johnson, wide receiver for the Steelers. Oh, I just trapped him. <laughs> I, I think that kid, I think with the Steelers in general, you see their wide receiver twos do better than their wide receiver ones. I think it's because, you know, when you're talking AB, AB was a transcendent talent when he wasn't, you know, being a fucking moron. So, you know, you got a transcendent talent. And you bring in Juju Smith-Schuster, who, you know, you know, granted, I still think he's got it in him, but who's, you know, didn't have it in him that season. So, you know, you see their wide receivers twos excel. It was, it was uh, Juju before that. I see Deontay Johnson exploding. I don't know if he's at a thousand yards yet, but I really think give him two years in that system and he will develop into one of the best wide receivers you see in the league. Uh, I mean, I love that take. I'm a big, big fan of Johnson. Um, I think Big Ben back is a big win for Juju owners. I mean, if you have Juju, don't sell him. Now is not the right time to sell him. I would say, if anything, go out and buy him. You can get the guy dirt cheap compared to what he should be being sold for. I mean, this is a guy who was going consistently in the first round last year. And you can get him now for, hell, probably a first in 2020. Uh, And you got a mid-first. And you need a guy like Juju? Fucking shit. I'll do that in a second. Any day of the week. I mean, would you not agree, Luke? You know what? I don't know if I would make that trade. Um, I think I look at guys like Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb coming out of college and the upside that those guys bring, especially Jerry Judy's route running ability. I don't know if I would make that trade. I think I would... I think I would sit pat on my on my first round pick on that one. Yeah, well, we're gonna have to disagree about something. I mean, 
my opinion, I get it all the time in the world, but give me a proven asset who's proven himself in the league any day of the week over somebody who's coming in. And I already said it once, but wide receivers have the highest bust potential out of any other position. I mean, I'm not saying any of those guys are going to be bad. Don't get it twisted, but you know what I mean? Yeah, but, you know, uh, the thing with Juju is it puts doubt in uh, in fantasy players when you see them being talked about not being brought back next year if they don't live up to the hype. Yeah. You know, and the problem is, is, you know, Juju had 14 yards, uh, 2018, seven touchdowns. You know, he looked like the future. You don't move on from the future that fast. And I think Deontay Johnson really has the potential to step up if Juju can't live up to what's going on. But you know what? Granted, Juju's 23. He'll turn 24 in November. And, you know, I just think he's a little distracted. I think with all the stuff he's doing outside of football – He's become a little distracted. I don't think he's in the same I'm going to prove myself mindset he was when he came into the league. Uh, he had he should have had that mindset going into this season with AB just trashing him over the course of the offseason. But you just never saw it. Yeah. You know, uh, the best players play with a chip on their shoulder. And it didn't look like all season that Juju was playing with any sort of chip. It, you know, like – if I'm Juju, I'm proving that AB was wrong. I'm the guy. Now, granted, he had some injury problems this year. And season, he had a fourth string quarterback and that could, him, too. So, I mean, that has to be taken into account somewhere, right? Uh, yeah. But, the, but then here's the problem, then. When you put into dynasty value for a guy like Juju is, okay, I say Deontay Johnson. He put up almost 700 yards catching, you know, balls from the same guys, right? I look at a guy like Juju who put up 552 yards last season on 42 receptions catching from the same quarterbacks that Deontay did. If his value is only as great as what big Ben can provide him, then unfortunately I just Ben's out of the league in two years. There's no way he sticks around for longer than two years with his health issues and the problems that have persisted him throughout his whole career. Mm -hmm. And the fact he's not in great physical condition, he's He's not in the age clip too. So if Juju's whole value is banked on Ben Roethlisberger, then unfortunately Dynasty, for me, unless you're in a win-now situation and you're in a situation in your league where you know you're about to age out and so you want to just grab somebody who's going to make an immediate impact, grab Juju. Because like you said, you could probably get him cheap. However, for me, I think he's got bust this season written all over him again. And, you know... If he can get back to that 1,400-yard guy we saw two years ago, I think, you know, the Steelers never talk about letting him go again. But unfortunately, you know, I, uh, I'm i a little skeptical on the guy. Yeah, I don't blame you. I mean, there's reason to be. You know, uh, hopefully with Big Ben returning and Mason Rudolph being – Deported to freaking Siberia <laughs> if we're lucky because fuck me, that guy was all hype and nothing. Oh, else. yeah, I bought into that. You know, your biggest, you know, you're a bust when your biggest career moment is being slammed by a helmet 
from Miles Garrett. Who's a stud. <laughs> Who is a stud. Now, apparently he's a stud with a weapon, but he is a stud. Uh, I mean, All continuing right. on, the biggest guys I think are going to take the leap forward. I'm actually going to take a year three wide receiver with this one. And this is a guy I'm extremely high on. I was when he was coming out of college. And I think Anthony Miller is going to take that step this year. I, you know, he was off to a horrible start last year. I mean, I can't even put in enough words how bad he was at the beginning of the year. I was high on him last year. I mean, this guy could have easily made the bus list. But if you look at the second half of his season last year, his numbers got consistently better. Trubisky started trusting him, and the ball started going his way. I don't believe Allen Robinson can stay healthy at all. I believe the Bears are going to move on from him at some point in the future, whether it's this season or next season. And I think Anthony Miller, if you're going to own one wide receiver in Chicago, that's the one I want. You know what? I think Anthony Miller can be great. I really do think he can be a great wide receiver. I do agree with you that uh, there's going to be issues staying healthy in that wide receiver core. I just – I'm skeptical on the Bears' offense in general. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I never said the offense was going to be good, but best player on a bad offense is still the best player on that offense. That is true. That is true. Now, here's the thing with Anthony Miller. Do you think you put Anthony Miller against a guy like uh, Richard Sherman? Is Anthony Miller going to beat a guy like Richard Sherman consistently? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, the guy took a lot of big steps this year, but I don't know if he's ready for something like that. Again, I, with a lot of these guys, it's really we have to see. It's you know, it's it's guys we have faith in personally. I was high on Anthony Miller coming out of college. He's my number one wide receiver. I have to believe somewhere in there is going to be that guy we saw, and I hope he pulls it together. And that's you know. That's my honest take on it, really, more than anything else. And I just think you know, at the end of last season, there's any indication of what's to come. I think he's a cheap buy right now in Dynasty. It could be a great wide receiver three. 100%. You know, 100%. And uh, sticking with the whole uh, Chicago Bears offensive weapons, I think that you got to look at a guy like David oh, McCarthy yeah. as huge – Huge, huge potential. As he's young as hell, he's 22. Uh, the guy can be a workhorse. It all depends on if they're going to give him the ability to run the mm-hmm. ball. And it must be scary for a guy like Monty to be backed up by a guy like, you know, and I know you don't like him, but I'm still high on him. I think Tariq Cohen is a real threat to his snaps. Yeah, I'm not great. Because David Montgomery just does not catch the ball like Tariq Cohen does. And Tariq Cohen's 24, turning 25 next season. He's still young. He's explosive. You know, comparing him with – I compare him to a guy like Darren Sproles. You get the ball to Tariq Cohen in the backfield, and he can actually – and he can run routes with the wide receivers. You see him line up on the line in uh, – in four receiver sets, you know, I think David Montgomery has huge potential to break out, but it depends on how often they're going to give him the ball mm-hmm. and what the hell they're going to do with Tariq. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. He's another guy I've definitely bought in a bunch of places and I'm excited to see what he does this season. Again, he was my number one running back on uh, 
draft boards last year. So it'd be a little uh, shocking if he didn't do something at all. I think they're definitely getting more involved. I get what you say, Tariq Cohen. He's a little shifty, but when it comes down to it, David Montgomery's the guy, and I don't think that's going to change. I hope not. You know what? Like coming out of Iowa State, he looked really good. You know, they they spent a third round pick on him, and in the NFL, you don't spend a third round pick on a guy you don't see potential in. Yeah. Um. But the problem with the Bears is is that they can't seem to figure out their identity. And I think they let that whole double doink situation get to their head too much. <laughs> and I think I think it allowed them – I think it clouded their view of what their season should have been. Mm-hmm. It should have been developing a workhorse running back. And instead, they were so caught up on making sure they had the perfect kicker that they were not focused – on their offense like they should have been. And I think a big part of it goes to Trubisky. I think a huge portion of it goes to him. And that's it at the end of the day. Should have included him in my bust in my uh, in my bust <laughs> you know, last year because you know I that, put him guy, up. that guy never was supposed to be him. an MVP candidate. <laughs> I never believed in that guy. He was supposed to MVP candidate. He was supposed to be an MVP candidate. Yeah. I think he was like 17 to one odds to, to, you know, win the MVP and he just got shit on. He had a bad season. You know, you know, what's, you know, what's bad when the whole city just turns around and says, fuck you, get out. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, To continue on, uh, big time players going to take the step forward and this is going to be our last one for the section. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this guy. Uh, Luke probably knows who I'm going to say. He's our first tight end on this list. And Luke knows I'm a little obsessed with the guy because I think he's just going to be a superstar. I got to talk about Noah Fonts. I got to talk about my expectations of him. I think he is going to be the Mark Andrews of this year, the George Kittle of 2018. Like, he's the guy who's going to step forward. And, you know, moving forward, he's going to be taken in the first five rounds. And Drew Locke is is the future in Denver and they showed a rapport for sure. And I just think he's, he's too much of a talent to not succeed. And him and Drew Locke are apparently boys. I just, I love that combo there. I'm really rooting for the guy. Yeah. You know, I think he definitely has uh, the potential to be something great. I think that compared, if we're talking between, I think my, three biggest tight ends coming out of that draft class uh, were Font, Hawk, TJ Hawk, and um, and Dawson Knox. I think uh, you look at a guy like Noah Font, he has the route running uh, abilities down. I think he could, he could be a very good uh, blocking tight end on the run, but obviously, you know, that doesn't really matter for fantasy too much. But it does it does play a portion into how often he's going to see the field. Oh yeah, and I think I think what's good about Noah Font is that besides Cortland Sutton, who I love mm-hmm. to death, I really I really don't think they have another receiving option besides Font. So there's no reason the guy shouldn't be getting the ball in his hands consistently. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, those are guys that were high on man. There's we could probably make this list. A uh, hundred minutes long, but those are the guys that we really wanted to highlight on this list. And I don't know if Luke, you want to say anything else to wrap it up? 
No, no, I think I think you summed it up pretty right. You know, these are the guys who come come at the uh, at the end of next year. They have to take that next step. I think that they carry some of the highest dynasty value. These are all younger guys for the most part who uh, who should be able to excel in the offenses that they're in. And there's no reasons they can't be workhorses going into next season. Couldn't agree more. I want to talk about our favorite moves and our least favorite moves from this NFL offseason. Things that are going to impact teams greatly and things that are really going to make dynasty value for some of these guys go way up. So I'll start. And I think my favorite addition so far this offseason has to be Emmanuel Sanders to the Saints. I think the I think it has been talked about enough. I don't no, think Emmanuel, I don't think Emmanuel Sanders is an unproductive wide receiver. Granted, I don't think he'll ever be a thousand yard wide receiver, but this guy can still put out I think like seven to eight hundred yards a season and he will take a lot of stress off of Michael Thomas. Uh, you know, it sucks because when you were talk when you would talk about the uh, I hope that wasn't a coronavirus cough right there. <laughs> no, I'm good. Wrong pipe. <laughs> uh, when you talk about uh, the Saints wide receiver core after Michael Thomas, there was really nobody big you would talk about. Uh, Trey Quan Smith was a guy who was supposed to make a leap, who was mm-hmm. supposed to be a contributor to that team, and he just fell apart, was not there. He wasn't the guy they needed. He didn't he didn't give any uh he didn't give any relief to Michael Thomas, which as a wide receiver too is supposed to be your main goal. Um and the problem with him is again is injuries really made Traycon Smith uh flexible and it made his it made his uh big play potential just go bust and I think bringing in Emmanuel Sanders is a guy who can make downfield plays. He can play in the slot. He's a good – he's a good – he can make a play five yards in from the line of scrimmage. He can make a play 20 yards away from the line of scrimmage. I think he complements Michael Thomas very well. Michael Thomas, we're talking about a guy who's not the fastest wide receiver in the league. He's a big body, very much so like Calvin Johnson. Big body with great hands, great route running ability, but he doesn't have that speed. And I think Emmanuel Sanders – brings a sense of speed and flash to a team that just has been sorely lacking that at the wide receiver two position for a long, long time. Yeah, I, uh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, outside of Michael Thomas, uh, Jesus, the Saints offense was not perfect last year. I mean, obviously Drew Brees is always a rock, but, you know, he's at that age clip. He's going to be gone within the next year or two. And Kamara took serious steps back this year. Uh, he's a big bounce back candidate, though. I'm not worried about him at all. But for sure, I thought Traquan Smith was going to be the guy to step over as the number two uh, in the Saints offense. And, you know, for whatever reasons, that hasn't seemed to happen. And I think they believe that Emmanuel Sanders can be that guy. And honestly, as long as he stays healthy, I love the signings. I think the signing works perfectly. It's it's. He is a foil to Michael Thomas in a sense, you know. Yeah. He's not this. He's not the same player, but that's not what he needs to be, you know. And I think it's. Uh, I think he. He even said in an interview since Peyton Manning retired, he's been waiting to be in a pass-heavy, uh, pass-friendly offense, and he hasn't gotten that in Denver. He, you know what? 
Sure, they passed the the Rock in uh, San Francisco, but fuck, Jimmy Garoppolo was not a great quarterback. He's no. got Drew Brees throwing to him now. He's lining up beside Michael Thomas, who's going to take a lot of pressure. And I think Emmanuel Sanders uh, can easily – he won't be a red zone threat, might I add, but I can't see him – if you're in a win-now situation in your dynasty league – and he's probably ridiculously cheap to get your hands on right now. I think he's a buy now candidate in any dynasty league. You can get your hands on in him. And I think he's going to make the Saints offense look incredible. And I think he's going to be great on your uh, dynasty roster. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, the follow up, you know, I think as far as my favorite addition this offseason, if anybody's listening to this and they know me well, they kind of probably already know who I'm going to say. But my Buffalo Bills going out and getting Stephon Diggs solidifies themselves as an AFC contender. I haven't believed in this team in a long time, but right now they're putting the things in place to make Josh Allen be a superstar. I think he's a humble kid with a lot of potential who has the right mindset and the right coaching staff around him for him to succeed. I think coming out of college, Josh had a lot of potential to bust, but had to fall into a perfect situation. Now, Stefan Diggs has a very similar mentality to Josh Allen. They're both dogs. They both like to eat. They both like to win. And they both like to compete. I think they are going to instantly hit it off. I think Diggs easily goes over 1,200 yards this season and hits about 10 touchdowns. Uh, probably top 15 wide receiver, who you could still probably get in like the fourth round in most drafts. Yeah, you know, I agree with you there. I think the guy could be a red zone threat, and I also think that he could just rack up those deep threat yards. I think the only thing holding him back is Josh Allen's accuracy issues. Oh, you know, that was his that was his big knock coming out of college. Uh, was his you know the guy has a cannon of an arm. I I I would say personally, he has a better arm deep throwing uh, than Patrick Mahomes. But the problem is, is his accuracy is not where Mahomes is at when it comes to that deep ball. And I think Stefan Diggs' his time in Buffalo is going to live by that deep ball. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think without a doubt, uh, Josh Allen's biggest knock against him has been his accuracy. I mean, to be fair, he wasn't perfect last year, but he proved he could win. And he didn't exactly have the killer offensive line, and he didn't exactly have world-class weapons around him. I mean, John Brown, don't get me wrong, this isn't any hate on him, but he's not a wide receiver one. He's a very good two. And I think the combination of that with Beasley in the slot, let's say Knox takes another step forward this offseason, I definitely like him as a young tight end potential, you know, a little prospect that you can get pretty late, who, you know, he might not go off this year, but down the line, I can see it. And I just think, you know, when you think from a fantasy perspective as well, Josh Allen's one of the top, dynasty quarterbacks in the league because his legs are unbelievable. If he can figure out just a little bit more as far as throwing it in the air and have a guy like Diggs who can add a couple touchdowns under his belt, I think the sky's the limit for him, and I think the sky's the limit for the Bills. And it's the right time, too. The Pats are weak, and it's time to strike. 100%. You know what? I think uh, it is their time to win that division. If it's going to happen – it's going to happen now before yes. Belichick pulls a fucking magic rabbit out of his ass like he did with Brady. Um, you know, the thing with Diggs is uh, I think with him, he just needs to be patient. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his, biggest, his biggest complaint coming out of Minnesota that he just wasn't getting the ball enough. 
And uh, you know what? To be fair, no knock on Kirk Cousins, but he's not. He, I think Kirk Cousins is the epitome of an average quarterback. You know, he doesn't necessarily have a cannon arm. He's not going to make plays with his feet. So it really depends on his, you know, him being able to distribute the ball properly. And with a guy like Stefan Diggs, you just got to be patient. You know, he's, he's moving to a, a team with a young quarterback who's still figuring out the ropes. And if they are, if they go in, if he isn't patient with John, young uh, wide receiver, uh, young quarterback, it's just not going to do him any good. No, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think definitely the only knock I could really put on Diggs' resume is he's got a serious attitude issue sometimes. And I know he wanted out of Minnesota, so hopefully that changes things. Uh, but I think if you don't at least acknowledge it, uh, you'd be locked if you said the situation was perfect. Uh, the guy definitely has a bit of an ego, but I think the best wide receivers in the league almost all have that. You know what I mean? Like, and I think, you know, uh, kind of need that. I would say there's two positions where you need the ego the most, and it's wide receiver and cornerback uh, by far. You kind of need that swagger that you're the best on the planet. Like when Josh Norman believed he was the best on the planet, he was the top five corner in the league. When he went to Redskins and he, you know, took the money and he left the Panthers, I mean, the fuck happened to that guy? <laughs> He's yeah, on the Bills now, ironically. <laughs> Which wasn't a bad pickup for them, if, I, if I'm just making a No, because no, well, he doesn't have to be the one. Trey White is uh, easily top five corner in the league, uh, in my opinion. Uh, he could be considered number one. I mean, people will say I'm being a homer for that. I don't really care. I would say at minimum, though, top five. Yeah, 100%. Now, I'm going to talk about a, uh, a move I didn't like. Now... When I speak about this move, know that I'm not comparing one player to another because, in my opinion, uh, it doesn't necessarily correlate with them. But I really didn't like how Bill O'Brien went after Brandon Cooks. Now, I think Cooks at one point could have been considered a top, uh, you know, 15 wide receiver a couple years ago when he got into that New England Patriots team. And uh, with his dynasty value, my problem with Diggs now is that he has way too many concussions. He's a walking, he's he's a walking head injury. He he's is Jordan in wide receiver form. I said it, it before. Exactly, and he will never be DeAndre Hopkins. And I I don't think people should compare him to, to DeAndre Hopkins because that trade had nothing to do with Brandon Cooks. You know, uh, maybe they were targeting Brandon Cooks, knowing that he would be there. But um, but he's just – I don't think he's that 1,000-yard wide receiver anymore. I think he's he's – you know, he's small to begin with for a wide receiver. I don't think he's – you know, one more bad head injury, and I think his career is done. I think you stay away from him if you're a dynasty owner, and you sell him now if you have the opportunity to sell if I'm in a draft right now and I could pick up Cooks in like the 20th or something like that and flip him for like a first, I'm doing it in a heartbeat. I mean, that's an easy buy and flip. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and um, Cooks, 
his value definitely just shot up right now because people are going to like the correlation of Deshaun Watson and him. But I just – I see Luke's side on this, and um, I don't see him staying healthy. And I just want to say one thing before I go on to my bus uh, or my least favorite trade. Uh, I think – me and Luke are a little short-sighted on this because the best move of this offseason was the Arizona Cardinals getting DeAndre Hopkins. And I think there's no other uh, real move that compares to that. Would you not agree, Luke? Oh, 100%. They're, like the steal that the Arizona Cardinals front offers pulled off for DeAndre Hopkins was fucking insane. Man, I, I mean, you get a top five wide receiver in the league and Kyla Murray is legit. Uh, you you don't have to buy into him. He's coming. And now he's got a wide receiver core of Larry Hopkins and Christian Kirk. And now, I mean, they didn't even give up first. They could take an offensive lineman in the first round and seriously start building that line because they definitely need a line help. And Drake came into his own. Like, whew, Arizona's a dark horse this year, man. I would definitely not sleep on it. Definitely not. Definitely not. Now, if they make the playoffs, I'm not 100% sure about that yet. I'm not sure about this year making the playoffs, but I think they're a contender. And I think Kyler and Cliff is a great combo. And I think they're going to be one of the best combos for like the next 10 years. 100%. 100%. Now, who would you say ended off? Who would you say least favorite transaction made this offseason for a player? Mine might be a little shocking. Um, but I, I honestly, I really didn't like Melvin Gordon going to the Broncos. Uh, in my opinion, team had a lot of other holes to fill. I understand he's, uh, you know, an established runner in the league. But I think if anything, uh, time off last year and what Eckler did in that offense showed that I don't think Gordon is all that. I mean, his yards per carry, if you traditionally look at it, aren't anything crazy. Um, I think they're like above a three and below a four. I'm sure Luke can fact check me right now. Uh, but uh, in my opinion, you had a guy like Philip Lindsay who was coming up, coming into his prime, and then you kind of put him into, you know, a uh, 50-50 role uh, with Royce Freeman. And instead of letting Lindsay develop into his second year into a workhorse, you actually sent him back in development. And now you bring in Melvin Gordon in there. I mean, that's a backfield I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot fucking pole. Like, without a doubt. I don't even know what's going to happen. It, Gordon could be horrible. Lindsey could take over. Gordon could go off. Lindsey could be gone by the end of the year. There's Royce Freeman to figure out who always had talent. But, you know, Lindsey kind of overshadowed him. Uh, I know, Luke, you just fact-checked that. What were, what's his yard for carry? For Gordon? Yeah. Yeah, so Gordon has notoriously been terrible at his uh, yards per carry. His career high was 5.1 in 2018. Other than that, he averages a career of four yards per carry. Okay, um, so just about four. However, however, he's never topped more than four yards per carry other than that 2018 season. Other than that, it's been 3.9 to 3.5 yards per carry. And another thing that people don't talk about enough with Melvin Gordon is the fact that he's only ever topped a thousand yards on the ground once. Yeah. And that was, and that was in 2017. So now that's, now we're going into three years removed from that situation. I honestly just don't think Melvin Gordon is that fantasy running back. We all thought Mm -hmm. he was going to be, you know, if I'm, 
if I'm taking a risk, I would rather put my risk on his fellow draft classmate, Todd Gurley, than I would with him. Oh, easily. And, I'd much rather have Todd Gurley at his current ADP, hands down, over Melvin Gordon. Because if – I mean, Todd Gurley's still only 25, man. I mean, I get it. He's got bad knees, and I understand he didn't have a great year last year. But the Falcons are a loaded offense, man. And Gurley's still got 18 touchdowns last year. And people seem to somehow forget that. I mean, if they can just figure out how to get him somewhat back into form, Gurley could be a very sneaky – good RB2. I don't think he'll ever be the RB1 he was ever again. You know what I mean? But I think he could be a good RB2 for you. Yeah, and uh, you know what? My my biggest problem though with that whole acquisition, I get it was dirt cheap. It was two years for $16 million. They're not paying him more than $8 million in a season. But Philip Lindsay, man, in that complimentary in that 50-50 share role that he played with um, yeah. With Royce Freeman last year, still put up over a thousand yards. Yeah, he, just, he is he he averages a career he is a career average of four point nine yards per carry. You know, and and, and that's with the, that's only with two hundred twenty four attempts last year and one hundred ninety two in his rookie season. Now, granted, he is not a pass catching back. I can understand wanting to bring in a running back who is who is, uh, who is only a pass catching back. Like a guy like Naeem Hines would have made sense to bring in to Deion Lewis. Deion Lewis, a free agent who would have been cheap to bring in with to bring in with them, would have made Lindsay's life easy. Yeah. But the problem is now is Melvin Gordon thinks thinks that he is a RB one when he really isn't, and unfortunately, I think either two things are going to happen. Melvin Gordon's going to push Lindsay out, and Lindsay's going to ask to be uh, traded or released. Or Melvin Gordon's going to be exposed. Lindsay's going to have another productive season, and Gordon's going to be gone within his first year. Yeah, and Lindsay could easily just be Eckler 2.0. You know what I mean? Like, my opinion on this is that the Broncos, I guess, and I hate this shit. I feel like a lot of owners, GMs, shove it down their head coaches throats i feel like they got kind of twisted and forced to use royce freeman a lot because the team invested a higher draft pick in them and this isn't a knock on freeman don't get me wrong but i don't know how Lindsay comes out of his rookie season and you don't instantly make him the workhorse do you not agree like i mean like why would you not make a guy who was disruptive his first year i mean that guy should be touching the ball 20 times a week like i just I don't get it. Like, I really don't. And I see this all the time. And uh, people just hold on to these players because of where they drafted them way too long. And luckily, I mean, the Bears looked like they were going to do a little Trubisky, but they're, from what I'm hearing now, though, it looks like Foles and him are actually going to have a legit competition. But that's just another example of, like, you know, GMs don't want to admit when they fucked up. You know what I mean? So a high-level player, high uh, – I'm sorry, a high-level draft pick player, uh, I think holds more value sometimes over these undrafted guys, even if they're the better talent. 100%. And I like I would never disagree with that statement. I think that statement's pretty up for par. I think the difference between the Chicago situation and the Denver situation is the Chicago GM is fighting for his job right now. Oh, 100%. If that team does not come together by next season and make the playoffs, he's gone. Now, when you talk about Denver – 
John Elway's not going anywhere anytime soon. I don't think he's ever he going is, anywhere. He's going to die. And you know what? And the problem <laughs> is, is I, don't think he's a, I don't think he's a great GM. I think he got lucky and was able to get Peyton Manning. And Peyton Manning made that team great. But mm-hmm. I don't think John Elway is necessarily the GM everybody thinks well, he yeah. is. I think, I think Peyton Manning made him look good. And the problem was is he drafted Royce Freeman the same year that he signed Philip Lindsay. Yeah, well, and, I don't think they expected Lindsay to be what he was. I mean, he was a practice squad guy who really is a great story, if you don't know a lot about him, who really fought tooth and nails to get onto this roster. I mean, when after the draft, if you don't know, I mean, they signed like 30, 40 guys, like, and basically make them fight over three or four spots. Like, it's it's hard, man. I mean, these are a lot of guys who don't have any – uh, any real skills outside of football. And that's not a knock of them, but they've spent their whole life trying to get to this highest level, and that stuff takes time. So they haven't had the time to really build other skills. Do you know what I mean, Luke, right? I mean, like, yeah, I, I can't imagine being in a situation like that where there's 35, 40 other guys who are all fighting over four, maybe five spots on the team. I mean, that is just crazy. And he's a small guy. He isn't big. He's not a prototypical running back. No, he's only he's only five foot eight, one hundred ninety pounds. He is small. Exactly. He is he is Tariq he is Tariq Cohen levels of small. But he doesn't run. But like the thing about like, but you know what the thing the thing about Lindsay, I think people don't give him credit for is in his two season, he's never fumbled the he's he's never fumbled the ball. Wow, I actually didn't know that. That's a cool stat. <laughs> I, I did not. He has never fumbled the ball. That's insane, considering you know. Just he's not a pass catching back, so he's getting all of his. Yeah, and what is he's he doing all of his stuff. He's over the last two years. Well, and then here's the thing: you look at Melvin Gordon, right? Melvin Gordon has had 14 fumbles throughout his whole career, and just last year alone had four fumbles and lost three of them. Jesus. Yeah, I mean that's an underrated so, thing too. I mean, Carson almost lost his job last year because of that same exact issue because he couldn't stop fumbling. Thank God he figured it out. I like Carson a lot. Uh, I, know. I, I mean, a Seah- Seahawks fan, I got to suck his dick when I <laughs> Chris Carson's my guy. Yeah. Going to suck his dick to the fucking Super Bowl this year, hopefully. But, uh, I, don't, I don't. Yeah, I totally that. agree I with that. Penny's it there. Um, yeah, I just, I don't see it. I mean, honestly, I think, you know, when it really comes down to it, um, with everything we talk about, you know, there's no malice or anything. These guys are a lot of times like, you know, they're just put in bad situations. I say this all the time that there are so many quarterbacks and great players that get drafted to an organization that doesn't know how to build around their skills and are out of the league within a year or two. And you almost have to wonder what a lot of these talents could have been if they were drafted to the right organization. Like think in another world, like imagine a guy like Johnny football, who was one of the best talents coming out of college. He took the world by storm. Imagine that guy gets drafted by the Patriots. Like, just imagine that in another world. I, I don't know if every, he could have been something. Yeah, I don't know if everything would have gone down exactly like it did. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think. I think, you know, have a guy like Bill Belichick in here. You ain't doing all the shit that he pulled off in Cleveland. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. I think Belichick either would have said to him, "You're with us, or you're not with us, and we're not going to lose any sleep over it." And uh, you know what? I think that's. Uh, I think that's 
that's good coaching though. And I think that's super hard to come back. Yeah, I think a third of the league is run horribly, without a doubt. Oh, easily. But that's a, that's another story. Oh, yeah, for another that's another time. story. I I think before we end things today, I just want to finish off with some positive stuff. You know, world's in a little bit of disarray. We don't know what's going on with anything. I know I'm in Canada, you're in the States. Uh, you know, everything's kind of whack at the moment. I think w- the biggest thing about this is thinking positive and it's distracting yourself. You know, whether it's football like we do for us or it's, you know, spending time with friends and family at a socially at a sa- socially safe distance, you know, I think it's I think now is the best time you're ever going to find to really get close to the people you love. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'll just go further, man. And actually, I think this whole thing is a perfect example. I know there's a lot of bad out there right now and you're stuck indoors and stuff. But, um, you know, try to find the good in it. Uh, I know, like, me and my, uh, myself and Luke, um, we've talked about doing this sort of thing for a long time. And actually, this event has finally given us the time to do it. So try to find something while you're indoors to pull a positive out of. Do that side project that you've always, you know, talked about doing and never had the time to pull off. Be productive on the weekends. And if you're still working, take your job serious because there's a lot of people who don't have a job right now. And be thankful that you're in a situation where you do. And honestly, at the end of the day, uh, we just want to give a big shout out to everybody on the front lines. My brother's on the front lines. I, I see it every day how bad it is. And uh, those people are the heroes. And I think the world's starting to actually realize it. I couldn't have said it better myself. You know, I want to thank everybody for listening today. Uh, I hope you guys got some good knowledge off this, or maybe you made fun of us. Doesn't matter. You fucking watch this shit. <laughs> <gave us> <laughs>